Well, hello there, everyone, and welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time. James, listen. Yeah. There's kind of something weird happening here. Okay. Hmm. You see, I'm looking at the sheet that tells us what we're talking about in every episode. Uh-huh. And James, I believe there's a different number here. What? That's right. We are in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. still. 1931, still. Season 7, still. But oh my God, would you look at that? We're in episode 2. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, brother. I've got three minutes of pain time. That goes uh, down smooth. Which is actually pretty accurate. It is pretty much three minutes of time here. Um, you're going to skip past your little recap. I mean, you can watch it if you want. It's just going to tell you everything that you just saw over the last few episodes of what we've talked about. Um, but eventually it starts the actual scene and that's where we are going to begin, uh, this narration here. Um, oh, just in case I didn't say, I know I said it's about three minutes, so we're going to start at the beginning and we're going to go until three minutes and 20 seconds. So here's what you see. We are back with Mac Deke and Freddy in the car as a comical 1931 cop siren blares in the background. <laughs> you know, like that thing. Uh-huh. Not, a, not a bad replication of that. I no, think. that was good. Um, he looks out the back window and he's like, faster, they're gaining on us. Which, by the way, as we discussed before, these cars really couldn't go that fast to begin with. So it's also a bizarre request that this man very clearly knows that it can't go much faster. But I also understand that he's probably just nervous. You know what I mean? Like, sure. you see something you're like, oh, we got to go faster, right? Uh, Mac affirms this with, this won't, won't go any faster. Uh, <laughs> now, I, li- I really love this, this moment here. Freddie says, we've got to give him the slip. And then Deke says, yeah, and we got to lose him too. <laughs> For once, I do agree with Freddie when he looks at Deke as if to say, what the hell? Um, so they're getting chased though, although we never see who's chasing them because it's, you know, TV shows, we got a budget. Uh, Mac pulls a fancy move by on going dark and he quickly turns into an alleyway and slams on the brakes. And of course, by going dark, he means he's turning off all the lights. Now, because there's no safety features and stuff like that, when he slams on the brakes and the lights are off, there's no brake lights. It's just like, it just stops. He's just, he's just completely dark. So, yeah. of course, he pulls to a complete stop in an alleyway, and because it's a black car, no lights in the alleyway, cop car flies right by him, doesn't think twice of it. Um, so, hey, look at that. Pretty easy to get away with shit in 1931. <laughs> um, Freddie laughs, so long, coppers. Um, and they go, where do we go now? We got to deliver the goods. Freddie tells them, you might want to get out of those fancy duds, right? And he, you know, they're they're looking into the trunk and they've he's got all their old clothes somehow. Um, so they begin to change, uh, and Deke tries using the radio. He's like, you know, Daisy, anybody, Daisy, Daisy, you know, that he's out of range, right? right. So Freddie asks about that. He's like, what? Hey, you know, what's what's his deal, kind of thing. Max, like, uh, it's kind of like a phone. Uh, Deke is an inventor. Freddie's like. Not a very good one, is he? It's got to be plugged into something. Like, he is so smart. Like, he feels so good about himself. <laughs> well, actually. Right. 
So Deke gets an attitude with him when he repeats this line to him. Uh, Deke gets an attitude with him for assuming that he knows more than him. And he says, oh, I didn't realize I was talking to a freaking genius. It's <laughs> slipping a little bit into Freddy's accent to mock him, which is kind of fun. Um, so then Mac finds the stash in the back of the trunk and he goes, this is what we're delivering. This is what they'll kill you over. And of course, Freddy has an answer for everything. He's like, well, this is the highest grade giggle juice ever made. <gasps> Lots of people would kill to get their paws on the formula. You said giggle juice. The thing. I did say giggle juice. The thing. A uh, little too much tipple, right? Uh huh. Um, Max, Very good. like, okay, well, you, listen, you got to be honest with us if you want protection. He says, look, you pikers want an ankle? Now's your chance. <gasps> pikers. Just real quick, all this session I've been really doing it, but uh, on Newsies Minute, we talk about uh, the word pikers too. It's a slang for uh, basically a cheapskate or like a coattail rider sort of deal. Right. So Deke gets back into his face and goes, hey, we're not ankle pikers. <laughs> you see Matt kind of make this face of like, what? Like, what? I mean, actually, both of them are kind of like, what is this response? And he says, we're bootleggers just like you. Now, we'll take Whoa. you anywhere you want to go. Ankle pikers and bootleggers is very clever writing. I think so, too. And I, I think that that's the purpose, that he, he yeah. doesn't get the speech. So, like, he thinks it's part of bootlegging somehow, but, like, ankle piker bootlegging, like, it's, it's you know, he's, like, yeah. trying to fit in, but it's, he's not really. I mean, again, <laughs> we got to give him the slip. Yeah, and we got to lose him, too, right? <laughs> uh, so, Deke and Matt get back in the car. We then see, of course, a moment where, of course, he waits until they're in the car before you see the very clear, like, ooh, here's the thing, dun, dun, dun. Freddie slips the formula vial. Into uh -huh. an open bottle of whiskey, which, by the way, you know what? Hang on. I think I've got, I did, in fact, remember to do this. I brought a whiskey bottle myself because he gets one of the most satisfying cork pops, basically, or like pork. Pork chops. Cork. <laughs> cork uh, removals. Uh -huh. Like in that, I mean, granted, I'm sure it's just fully, but like, it's literally like, hang on. It's like Ooh. that. Yeah. Right. That was a good one. Hang on. I'm going to do one more just in case. Hang on. That was that one wasn't quite, quite as satisfying. Oh, that's even worse. Why am I getting yeah, the, worse? The at first it? one's always the best one. It might be. It might be. I might need to get a little, a little wet. I don't know. Anyway, whole purpose though is that okay, James? <laughs> Do you know that you uh, know that TikTok thing where it's like, hey, make this noise, and they yeah. like rustle some paper, and the guy's like, <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Boop. Also, hey, real quick shout out to. Uh, Colin O'Brien, who got me this Sagamore Spirit Rye. Um, this is now my second one uh, that I've had from from here. This is the cast strength. Uh, love this stuff from Maryland. So oh, nice. It's a very nice thing. So anyway, the whole purpose, though, is that like it is such a satisfying little boom, right? And like he you, you see him kind of pull up the little vial like, oh, he, remember that MacGuffin from the last episode? <laughs> well, you do now. Drops it in and then. Corks it back in, puts it back in the case, and closes up the trunk, and that's the scene. Uh, so, James, I don't have anything else for you because we've already talked about slang. We've already talked about Deke and everything like that. So what we do have, though, is we have an episode of Ba-da-ba-ba-da, Who's Freddy? Are you ready to play, James? I'm, I'm ready to, I'm definitely ready to play. Who's Freddy? 
I am hoping to actually stump you with this one. Okay. Okay. Now there's going there will be like a small caveat to this one. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. Now he's not a secret agent man. He's just some other musician. Last time we played this game, we talked about a Fred that really defined his genre. Well, this Fred also played a big hand in the 80s with his band. <laughs> this now, is who I thought Fred Durst was uh, when you were talking about Fred Durst. Maybe. Sorry. We'll find out. Okay. I, I, I will potentially accept your answer if you don't know the person's last name, but uh -huh. can tell me the band that they're from. Okay. Uh, Fred Schneider from the B-52s. No. Uh, anyways... So they had some big hits, although the highest that they'd ever had uh, charted in 1980 with this sharp little number at the 14 slot of the Billboard charts. It may not be the band you want, but they have a little something for everyone. James, who's Freddie? Okay, so it's not Fred Schneider from the B-52s. It is not. That is who I thought when you were describing Fred Durst. Weirdly, Fred Schneider fit what you were saying Really interesting. For a long time. <laughs> All right, so let's see. And again, his his full name might not be honestly that well known because truth be told, I didn't know his name going into it, but I did know his band. Okay. All right. What, what was the year when the when the biggest hit was? Their biggest hit charted in 1980. Hmm, so it's not right, said Fred. All right. And you know who else really liked that band? Hold this on. Might what Give me, give me the, give me the, the things about uh, their chart history and their, their musical history again, just so I can, I can. Sure, um, I'll give you the whole latter half because it's got okay. most yeah. of the clues. There's only yeah, one yeah. clue in the very beginning. So their highest like chart they ever had was in 1980 with this sharp little number at the 14th slot of the Billboard charts. It may not be the band you want, but they have something for everyone. Is it ZZ Top? No. Okay. Okay. Give me the clue that you that you that you were. Someone else is a fan of them. Another big fan of them is the Aquabats, and they've had one of their songs featured in one of the polkas by Weird Al Yankovic. The Weird Al Yankovic song had potentially a little bit of an existential question. Is it Devo? God damn, James, you've done it again. <laughs> are, are we, we not, not men? men? We, we are, are Devo. Devo. Whoa. Uh, also, shout out to uh, Me First and the Gimme Gimme's with their album, Are We Not Men, We Are Diva, mm -hmm. where they did all songs yes. by divas, which is very good. Are we not men, we are diva, are we not men, divio? Right. I think, here's here's a, a, a musical, a nineteen early 1980s, late 1970s musical hot take. Ready? Yeah. I would contend that perhaps you're either a Devo fan or a Talking Heads fan. Thoughts? I liked both, although I okay. will say I got into Devo first purely because the Aquabats had the lyric, Devo was my favorite band. Ah, Take yes, me back yes, to yes. my happy land. Very um, nice. Very good. So that's What's what the name of the, Fred, of the Fred in Devo? Oh, that's right. Uh, Fred Weber, mm. the guitarist of Devo. Would um, never have gotten that the, very, the very sharp. Good. The sharp thing was the best that I could get for Whip It because like- uh -huh. How do I say something without clearly saying whip it? And like, then right, you're just cracking get good it. tune or something. Yeah. yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, they took a crack at the charts. Maybe uh, that would have yeah, been a good yeah, one. Yeah, exactly. But again, I really kind of wanted to stump you. Like, I'm, yeah, you, I'm gonna, and you did. Yeah. Very good. Um, yeah. Do you have a I, second one? Not for this one, because okay, I thought that, we were going to, I thought we were going to spend some yeah. time on this one. I feel, know? I feel a little bit, uh, 
like uh, like Matt Yule, like sort of run over by a by a very good quiz. So very good. <laughs> For those of you who don't know us or didn't know our friends, rather, Matt Yule is one of the two brothers on a podcast called Finish It, which features Matt Yule and Chris Yule. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a great little show. If you've never heard it before, uh, give them a listen. Absolutely. Colin, are you ready for an Avengers ensemble? There's an Avengers ensemble in this episode? It's a new episode, baby. Yeah, you're right. So there's probably writers and producers and stuff to talk about. There it is. Avengers Ensemble. So uh, here is our Avengers Ensemble for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Season 7, Episode 2, which is called Know Your Onions. Mm-hmm. That will that makes no sense now, but it will a little bit later. It will a little bit in a little bit. Um, this episode came out on June third, two thousand twenty, which is absolutely wild. Um, and uh, it was directed by a man named Eric Lenuville. Um, he did three episodes of Agents of Shield, one episode of Wisdom of the Crowd. Did you ever watch Wisdom of the Crowd? No, I've never. Even it heard was of it. a. If it wasn't on CBS, I would be very surprised. It was basically like, um, you can, it like somehow pull it. Uh, people they had they set up a website where they would give. They basically created uh, crime solving Reddit. Like they're like they would give all the clues to this group of this website, and they would all work out who the killer was. It was a very brief show, but it was fascinating to me to watch. Anyway, what was it called again? Wisdom of the Crowd. Interesting. I'm I am actually very interested in that. So yeah, yeah I'll look that up. He directed one episode of Legends of Tomorrow, uh, the DC mm. show that I'm most likely to start watching um because I didn't realize it was literally all about time travel, even though yep. the name would um yeah. Uh he directed seven episodes of Grimm, the sleeper uh aside from Heroes, of course, the, the show which is almost most mentioned uh on these Avengers Ensembles. He directed 15 episodes of the Jennifer Love Hewitt uh, TV show Ghost Whisperer. Um, one episode of Warehouse 13. Actually, that one, that one also gets a lot of mentions. Um, one episode of Heroes. Two episodes of Eureka. Five huh. episodes of Lost. We've talked about Eureka on here as well. Mm-hmm. And Absolutely. I think Lost. Lost is, yep. Uh, the TV movie Mantis, which we also have talked about before. Yeah. Um, six episodes of Doogie Howser, M.D., and one episode okay. of Quantum Leap. Hey, we've talked about that one too. There you go. Yep. This his credits are mostly like our greatest hits of what other people mm-hmm. have worked on. Absolutely. Um, so that is the director, Eric Lenouville. Um, now, Colin, mm-hmm. I'm gonna ease into the writer's name. It's one writer. I'm gonna ease into the name because um I'm anticipating a reaction. So I will say this. Uh, I have now logged uh, we have some repeat names on uh, our writers list. We yeah. have two Christophers, two Don or Donalds, two Eric's, two uh, two Stevens, and three Joes or Josephs. Okay. We're about to have our second Craig. Uh, Craig Kyle wrote Thor three, and uh, the writer of episode two of seven, season seven of Shield of Agents of Shield is Craig Titley. And so, go ahead, just a little. There it is. There's a little silent little laughter from our very good boy, Craig Titley. <laughs> oh, the writer I'm Craig sorry. Titley, uh, who surely had a very <laughs> lovely childhood and uh, you know 
he wrote 13 episodes of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which means that 13 more times we're going to say Craig Titley. Uh, he wrote two episodes of The Cape, um, two episodes of Star Wars The Clone Wars, He wrote, and he wrote the screenplay for Percy Jackson and the Olympians, The Lightning Thief. Craig Titley. So that was Craig Titley, and we're going to move into uh, yep. Music from 1931, if, uh, if that's cool. Yes. Um, we're going to uh, be talking about, um, the musician is Ambrose and his orchestra, uh, okay. with the song Blue Again. Uh, the guy's name is Benjamin Baruch Ambrose. Um, he, kn- he was known pro- professionally as Bert Ambrose, or just Ambrose, which is very cool. Sort of like Prince, um, except oh, Prince yeah. was his first name and not his last name. Um, right. He was an English band leader and violinist. He became the leader of a highly acclaimed British dance band, Burt Ambrose and His Orchestra, from you know, up, up, up there, uh, in the 1930s. He was born in Warsaw in 1896, when it was part of Congress Poland within the Russian Empire. After a time, the family moved to London. Uh, they were Jewish, his father being re- registered as a, quote, dealer in rags in the 1911 mm. UK census. Uh, he was a rag man, um, where Ambrose was named as Barnett, and the occupation was a violin musician student. Uh, he be- this this website that I got this from was chock-a-block full of, like, census quotes. And it was wild. I was like, oh, this is not necessary for like where they all moved to in what year and whatever. Uh, he began playing the violin while young and traveled to New York with his aunt. Uh, he began playing professionally, first for Emil Coleman at New York's Reisenweber's web restaurant, then in the Palais Royale's big band. After making a, su- a success of a stint as band leader at the age of 20, he was asked to put together and lead his own 15-piece band. Hmm. After a dispute with his employer... He moved his band to another venue where they enjoyed considerable popularity. What a baller move. Hey, buddy, um, could you put a band together? Yeah, sure, no problem. Okay, uh, I'm taking my band, and we're going elsewhere, and we're going to be very successful. Bye. Um, so that's that's my impression of uh, Ambrose. It's spot on. Very good, yeah. For all you know. Uh, in 1922, uh, Ambrose returned to London, where he was engaged by the Embassy Club to form a seven-piece band. He was like, seven? Um, he stayed at the embassy for two years before walking out on his employer to take up a much more lucrative job at the Clover Gardens in New York. Ambrose is, should be who I look up to in my career and am not, uh, constantly leaving to get a better job. Very good. After a year there, this is so, this is so boss. After a year there, besieged by continual pleas to return from his ex-employer in London, in 1925, he was finally persuaded to go back by a cable from the Prince of Wales. The embassy needs you. Come back, Edward. So, wow. the Prince of Wales, the Diana of 1931. Um, James. Prove me wrong. She was Princess of Wales. That's just, that's just titles, man. That's just titles. Um, it's personally requested. That's, that's amazing. Um, he stayed at the Embassy Club until 1927. The club had a policy of not allowing radio broadcasts from its premises, and this was a major drawback for an ambitious band leader, largely because the fame gained by radio work helped a band to gain recording contracts. It's like, uh, you can't tour, kind of, or you can't sell merch. Uh, Ambrose's band had been recorded by Columbia Records in 1923, but nothing had come from this. 
he therefore accepted an offer by the Mayfair Hotel with a contract that included broadcasting. His annual, sal- his annual salary from this establishment alone was £10,000. So literally, there are three beats of his story. All of them involve him being like, I'm leaving for a better job. So uh, that is Ambrose or uh, Bert Ambrose or Benjamin Baruch Ambrose, depending on how many names you need for your crossword puzzle. Uh, the song Blue Again was written in 1930 by Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh for the Vanderbilt Review, which was a review performed in the Van- Vanderbilt Theater. Uh, it did 13 performances in November of 1930 and then shut down. I don't know if that was common for a review, but it does not seem like a lot of uh, a lot of performances. Uh, right. Dorothy Fields and Jimmy McHugh wrote... Um, they were very famous and lucrative songwriters. I believe we've seen something by them before, but I didn't write down... Uh, what it was that we that we saw them uh in a previous music of 1931 but that is all i have for the music of 1931 uh for ambrose and his orchestra's blue version of blue again which is uh much more famously done by oh that's what it was uh much more famously done by louis armstrong but it was written for the vanderbilt review which was i don't know if the vanderbilt review was but dorothy fields and jimmy McHugh we we uh previously talked about when we were talking about duke ellington because they wrote uh, reviews and music and songs for the Cotton Club. So it was basically white songwriters writing songs for black right. musicians to play for rich white people. But sure, apparently Dorothy Fields and to a lesser extent, I guess, Jimmy McHugh were, were pretty, pretty great from what I saw. Sure. So that's going to do it uh, for that. And uh, allow me to please continue to keep talking as I move us into social media. Mm, you know what yes please do i think i feel like you really considered that and i really appreciate that thank you um (laughs) i want to tell you about our social media and here it is it is that we have a twitter handle for the show which is at timeline scav but if you're feeling saucy and you want to visit the uh network's uh, twitter you can go to scavengers net that is for the network scavengers network that's why it's scavengers net if you want to uh, talk to me on Twitter, you can uh, find me at Unabashed James. Colin, where can people track you down before you leave for a better job? Uh, well, I'll never leave this one, but Very you good. can find me at Colin M. Parker. Very good. Um, I'd like to, before Colin gets in with it, uh, thank Nick Bramald for the uh, intro and outro music for our show. You can follow Nick Bramald at N. Bramald, that is B-R-A-M-A-L-D. Or you can go to his website, nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk. Um, I'd like to uh, talk about the Patreon again, because I think that Colin talked about a show last time we recorded an episode. I think um, so, Patreon yeah. Patreon.com slash The Scavengers Network. For $2 a month, you can get access to all sorts of bonus content from outtakes to extended episodes to original bonus content, um, whether it's in uh, the form of video or audio or uh, the written word as uh, Chaucer used to call it. Um, from outtakes to myth takes. Ooh. Hmm. From uh, James and Aaron to Aaron and, 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 all, and James separately. Um, <laughs> from, hang on. Uh, let's see. I'm sure we can come up with another one. Like legitimately. Let's do, and what's one more? From side character quest to the podcast hosts that you like the best, which is me. See, that's pretty good. Oh, well. Hmm. Well, well, did I, did oh, I screw well. it in the end? I think outtakes to mythics <sighs> might be the might be the gold standard. That might be the, that was the gold very standard. Good. Yeah. 
because of course I can't think of anything else. From Alabaster's Haberdashery is also there. So that is going to do it for <laughs> this episode of Timeline Scavengers. Um, thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to be moving into episode two, where I will say the clips are longer. So yes. that's uh, that's something. Yeah, you're going to um, hear a lot more descriptions, I think. Mm-hmm, um, absolutely. It's going to be good. But Yeah, uh, but that's in the future, and this episode's in the past, so allow me to present the outro. Absolutely. I'm James Anderson. And I'm Colin Parker. Excelsior. mama let me whisper in your ear and tell you about the comedy podcast unnatural 20s do we really want to limit ourselves to just saying we're only a comedy podcast you're right we have a lot to offer like intellectual conversations well did you guys know australia once lost a war entirely to emus do you think emus frown upside down because they're in australia like they're below the equator yeah duh health and fitness pasta is great but you usually have a lot of extras but have no fear thigh warmed pasta is here plop the bag of leftover pasta on your thighs and eat those puppies like popcorn we have microwaves i have thighs you know what actually we can never decide what we're going to talk about and that's why we leave the fate of each episode up to the rolls of a d20 so download unnatural 20s on your favorite podcast app and roll with us every monday the scavengers network Creator-driven, community-focused, treasured content.